up, everyone? Welcome into episode 118 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com, and my co-host, who will be joining me shortly, is Mr. Mike Dawson, managing editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. After Mike and I get all caught up, we'll talk about Mike's recent visit to PASIC 2017 and all the great artists he got to check out while he was there. In our gear review section, we'll be checking out the Black Swamp Dynamic Snares. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions, and as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's up, dude? What's happening? So what is happening? <laughs> I realized that I need to I need to learn how to some mic control. When I laugh, sometimes it's like someone punches you in the ears. So I gotta I gotta back off the mic. Uh, a little yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. I'm That's uh, you I'm know learning. the lead singer thing where when they hit those big notes, they pull the mic away. Yeah, but you know, I was listening to Sam Jones' podcast a lot over the weekend while I was traveling, and he has so much lisp. S like he doesn't ds his show at all. And it's gotten to the point where, like, I right. feel like his stabbing me. Uh, Willem Dafoe was really bad. There were so many S's. Yeah. It's well, like, and, and, and Willem has a lisp. So yeah. it's, I mean, Willem is almost like Christopher Walken with a lisp. It's, yeah. Yeah. And he's got a nasally voice, you know, and so it's up there yeah. with a lisp. So I, dude, everyone I, don't know, need I think Sam Jones has about a 10,000% higher budget than we do, and I DS our <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his is a TV show. He's got a whole TV um, show and a magazine, and I know, man. And here uh, I am. At least I try to get rid of the S's, but I, I apologize for any any plosives and loud laughs. I've been trying to back them down, but it's getting ridiculous. I need to stop laughing. It's not funny anymore. The show is no longer funny. This is not a funny show. You know what I need to do? I need to stop drinking tea so close to the mic. It's fine if I'm just listening like uh, through through normal speakers, but if I'm listening with earbuds, I'm like, why? Like you're doing right now, taking a sip of your coffee, yep. coffee. And, but if you do that too close, like I've got a, a a nice Audio Technica mic here that it'll pick up all the stuff, and I'm just like, God, who's chewing in my ear? Yeah, this is terrible. Anyways, anyway. our podcast rips. We're awesome. <laughs> How are you, dude? How was Pasic? Well, we'll talk about it more in a bit, but you know, I'm back, and uh, the coolest part was I I got to meet a lot of people that I've only known on Facebook or through the show or whatever. So just interacting with everyone, it was pretty awesome. I wish we had some more time. So maybe next year we'll try to do like a formal podcast hang if you can maybe get out or something. Yeah. If not, I'll be there again. But it was cool. I was at the Dream Booth for an hour, and we gave away a bunch of effects bells. And nice, man. Uh, it was they were they were very happy that everyone came up and and asked for a free bell. They, they didn't want to send anything <laughs> back to Canada. So. Nice. <laughs> so it was a good hang. We'll talk. You know, we'll go through the show in detail uh, in a bit. But it was cool. I did yeah, have man. a session yesterday down in Baltimore, and you'll dig this because I think you're a Jawbox uh, Burning Airlines uh, yeah. fan. Yeah. Yes. Well, the singer, guitarist, the leader of that band now runs a recording studio in Baltimore. No way. Actually, he's run it forever, but it's the first time I had met Jay, Jay Robbins, or been in that studio. And yeah, I mean, it's up there with the best sounding room I've ever been in. And it was, really? I didn't, I didn't take any gear except cymbals. I took a couple of snare drums and left them in the car because I saw he had, you know, he had vintage Ludwig. He had an old Ludwig, I mean, an old uh, Yamaha tour custom kit and, you know enough snares. I'm like, all right, let's just use his gear because he's going to know what works and whatever. Okay. So I showed so, up. So and, he was actually producing the session. Uh, he was engineering and kind of co-producing. Okay. Yeah. So I showed up and he's like, already I, I pulled the Yamaha kit because that always wins the shootouts, and you're going to want to use this Yamaha Manu Catchy Catchy snare because it always yeah. wins. It always wins. 
that's like their version of the Black Beauty, but it's got die cast. And, yeah, yeah. die cast hoops, and it's a seamless uh, black nickel brass shell. So it's basically yeah. a, a Black Beauty. I didn't have to touch a drum key. Literally didn't oh. didn't do anything. It just sounded everything just sounded perfect right away. I'm like, all right, this is going to be easy. <laughs> you know, wow. it's super. But the room sound like I very rarely get to play in big rooms. Okay. So as soon as I hit the snare drum, it was like, oh, okay, done, done deal. It just I could just live in on that backbeat. And what kind of music were you tracking? It was kind of like a mid tempo singer songwriter thing. So a lot of you know a lot of space in the groove. So the the air from the room really kind of filled it out. So I tra- made sure I didn't play really any ghost notes. It was just I want that backbeat to just be as long as possible. Dead center hits. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't tuned super low. It was kind of tuned kind of high. But he had the uh, yeah. But in that ro- in a big room, it's going to bring it down anyway. So yeah, it was amazing. It just it just reminded me that you know a good sounding room you don't really have to futz as much as a small you know budget studio you're gonna hear all the funky anomalies but he was great to work with too he was just super Did you just mellow say futz futz yeah you don't do futzing <laughs> bro i i've never futzed well I've, i mean uh, that's you got to go hang out at cat's deli and futz with your phone a little bit deli. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't even have delis that's awesome man futz when you said it i perked up like hey 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 easy there dawson and then oh, i was man. like Wait, I think he put a TZ at the end of it. TZ? TS? Futs. Futs. Yeah. Futs. 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 Just futzing around. Futs. <laughs> God. This is a futs. terrible. I All guess right. that's a New York City. I have no idea. I think I've All always right, I'm gonna said count. Futs. I'm going to count us in. We're going to start this over from the beginning. <laughs> Uh, well, that's cool, man. I mean, just <laughs> the fact that you got to do that is epic. Uh, so now, was this a, an, an artist that you normally play with, or were you hired just to do this session? No, I played. It's, it's Shane Gamble. He's a you know a okay. DC based artist. I played with yeah. for forever, but it, we don't track live very often. So it was just a treat to get you know the band in a room and just just cool, play man. the song down. It was that's certainly awesome. it was cert- I could tell no one was used to it. You know, the idea of having the whole band in the room and like. They were, it was like verbal discussions that that probably never should have happened. Like, are you going to play a lick there, or are you going to play? Because they're so used to overdubbing and you know, right. like fixing their parts later. It's like, are you going to take the solo break, or am I going to take the solo? Wow! <laughs> and you're like, holy mackerel! Let me just track my part and get yeah, out of here. Yeah, exactly. Let's but go, it was man. it was fun. It was a lot of fun. So that's cool. If you're man. in the Baltimore cool. area and you need a a good studio for drums, Jay Robbins over at Magpie Cage yeah. Studio. It was one of the best and it's it's in a, a neighborhood you're like um do i want to be here <laughs> but when you get inside the room it's like oh yeah this that's is kind it. of how all studios are yeah uh yeah i i actually i remember playing with him uh it was when burning airlines first started and the drummer was like this metal muscle bound yeah yeah you know drummer guy and i was like that can't wait something's going on that's not the right because he's setting up his kit before me and he's breaking out his double bass pedal and i'm like wait this isn't the same jawbox slash burning airlines that i'm ready for and then jay came out and as a drummer even though the drum parts were really cool i never once watched the drummer i watched jay the whole time because i'd never seen so much independence between guitar and vocalization his vocals were not even remotely related to his guitar playing and they were both so rhythmically dense i was like how does he have this much freedom that's true yeah those guitar parts are very angular yeah, and then he just sings over it, but not in a way that is being compensated because of how hard the guitar parts are. And to watch it live rather than 
just hear it on an album where he's overdubbing it. Yeah. And I just thought, man, this guy's a genius. And so uh, that's really cool that you yeah. get to spend some time with him. Yeah, he, I mean, he really loves cool. drums and drummers. So he kept saying over and over again because we would, every once in a while, we'd be like, yeah, you know, we're kind of fans of your bands. And he would get kind of shy. He's like, I just like playing with good drummers. Like, he just loves drummers and drums, and, and the, even with the yeah. kid, he's like, yeah, well, this this kid I've recorded a million times, and the guys that play it are great drummers. So he kept kind of referencing, like, it's not me, it's the drums, it's, it's all about the drums. Uh, so, so it made cool. it great to track there, because he was real kind of aware of making sure I was comfortable, and the kit was cool, and the sounds were great. That's awesome. I mean, it's the first cool. time I've done a session where I didn't have to touch anything, like not a single. That's drum amazing. Key. Yeah, yeah, that that's a, amazing. Because whatever for those of you that haven't tracked in a actual recording studio, however you have your drums sounding at home, they will not sound that way when you get to this new room. Rooms change the sound so much, and then you'll trick yourself and be like, "Oh, there must be a lot of humidity out because my drums are way lower than they normally are." Oh, yeah, and then you think about it; it's like, dude, it was a three-minute drive from your place to the studio. <laughs> it's not the humidity; it's just rooms are different. The the sound is reflecting. In the case of the room you were in, it takes the sound sound a lot longer to reflect because of how far the walls are away from you because you're in a large room. Yeah, it was like a big warehouse. And I also took down um, Zildjian and sent me their new uh, K Suite series. Okay. So I took those down, and that was literally the first time I'd ever played them. I hadn't even touched them yet. Oh, wow. And I just was like, all right, these are going to – they better work. They're called Sweet. They better work. They're going to be sweet. Now, is your band cool with – the fact that you're always swapping gear because you're reviewing it and stuff like are they okay with like yeah i just mean it, it, well as long as yeah. it sounds good is it cool it's cool i mean at this point shane trust me he he's he's he definitely had, likes to control his projects but even with this session he's like you know what you know we're gonna load in at this time and i sent him a text like i'm my load in is gonna be a bag of symbols and some sticks and he kind of was like what do you mean <laughs> oh okay so he does like to have a consistent sound yeah so he you know he brought his toms from the kit that we always use but i didn't even take him out of the case and i brought wow. a couple snare drums that i didn't even take out of the car so really all i used were the symbols and these were not symbols. and he was happy so, with the sound yeah that jay got yeah That's so cool. yeah there was That's uh, great. as soon as i did sound check for the first hit i'm like oh yeah we're we're done i mean the we're fine drum sound check was like seven minutes long maybe wow it was just like yep that's it that's it cool let's roll that's a double whammy <laughs> i mean that's a great room coupled with an engineer that knows his room knows yeah. his studio knows his mics knows his drums so yeah that's cool. really cool stuff man so nice, I'll, I'll talk more about the zildjian k suite series but um they're definitely sweet the 15-inch hi-hats were uh, a great combination of clean and articulate, but yet dark. And that, that's all the more just, I'll talk about it. I could just see the R&D folks over at Zildjian just playing. I'm like, God, what the hell are we going to call it? Like, and then just one like pothead in the back is like, I don't know, but they sound sweet, man. And he's like, yeah, the sweet series. That's, I mean, honestly, if you think, like, I remember uh, Mitch from Mino calling me. And we wanted to call my ride the 2451 ride because that was our bathroom code at the time. Mm-hmm. And he just called, and in Mitch tone, he was like, well, we're not going to do that because <laughs> I don't want my sales force going. He doesn't sound like Ronald Reagan. I just don't know how to do his voice. But he's like, I don't want my sales force telling everybody your bathroom code. Um, and so he, mm-hmm. I remember he said, tell me what your ride does. And I'm like, well, it just kind of seamlessly transitions. And right when I got to that word, he's like, cool, transition ride. Hangs up the phone. <laughs> And that was that was it. So that is kind of what you want the name of the gear to do. Just give you a hint. You know, the Sand series. It's like yeah. 
it just kind of tells you it's going to be a little sandy. Yeah, you know? a little dry, so, a little rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Sweet series sounds good, man. Very cool. So, what is up? I, are you writing new music with Man on the Moon now? Yeah, I was just yeah, talking so. to uh, Chris Carter at Pasic about like, is he going to do any more? They did a couple tracks, or what's the deal here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we have three new tracks, uh, and we're gearing up to to do a full album. So about you know we want to. We need about seven songs to do a live gig in Sacramento. That'll be nice to have like our first live gig. So we'll start playing live a little bit. And then, yeah, I would say probably around January or so we want to start tracking an album. And uh, so, yeah, so we started writing new stuff. And the writing process with this band is so much fun because they just have no egos. Mm. I mean, it's, it's so easy to be like, yeah, that's not working. And then the whole band's like, agrees like yeah it's not working let's get rid of it and instead of one guy going like no i really think it's cool um even on the song that we just kind of teased on instagram last week it was something where when we wrote it i was like dude i can't be a part of this like it feels like we're holding hands skipping down the street it's way too happy and (laughs) so we shelved it and then we came back two weeks later and we had forgotten it enough that when we tried to play it again we just accidentally played it about 15 bpm slower uh, and it was so much better. Um, and then the writing process started taking shape. And, uh, you know, it was like, okay, well, it's still pretty poppy. What if we drop an eighth note every two bars and put it in, you know, 15-8 and do the, mm-hmm. uh, was it uh, Ocean by Zeppelin? Yeah, that's the one. That does that? Is that the one? I don't remember. That or the, the, yeah, I don't. the Crudge? The Grud? The, it's the it's one of them. The Grunge? Which one is it? So yeah, um, so that or the reverse of Black Hole Sun um, by Soundgarden. So it just gives it that little hiccup. It makes it a little more man on the moonish. So yeah, so we're working on that stuff and then working on a a cover that because I've always wanted to do maybe what the Bad Plus does with covers, mm-hmm. where it takes you about two minutes to realize what song it is. So we're working on some stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll keep everybody posted, and you can still get the EP on iTunes and Spotify. And it was cool. I know nothing about numbers at all because the last time I put out an album, we got dropped from our label for only selling 140,000 copies. So I wow. know nothing. Yeah, I, yeah that's a, it was a different world. <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> And uh, so I think it might uh, even be like platinum these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were like, "You're out, um, <laughs> failure." And so, anyways, so I pulled up our little number thing, and I'm like, "Hey guys, this is what we've done streaming wise and downloads." And since I know nothing about this world, I just I don't know. Here you go. Here's our numbers. And both of them were like, "Dude, this is my currently my biggest band," and they're both in actually <laughs> quite popular bands. <laughs> and, and I was like, "What?" They're like, "Yeah, this is like not." bad and i'm like oh cool that's great so um so for all of you guys that have been listening to the man on the moon stuff thank you and most importantly it's it's really cool to have my own backing tracks that i don't have to worry about for for videos just grab a man on the moon track and throw it in in the video i made a video yesterday about not being too old to start playing this instrument because i just kept hearing from different people Mm. telling me constantly like yeah i just started so late i'm like what do you what does it matter like yeah, are your true, joints yeah. hurting? What do you mean too late? Like, go, you know? What are you Rub trying some to dirt do? On it. I mean, I guess that, you know, what are you trying to do? You're not going to get, maybe not get a gig with Miley Cyrus, but maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? And I mean, exactly. That's the thing is every time I say something like that, 
I'll see Miley Cyrus on the Tonight Show, and she's got like an old country band, and everyone's in their 60s and 70s, yeah. just because that's the vibe she's going for. So there's really nothing you can't do. You just have to go for it and take a chance on yourself. And also understand that no matter what, even for guys like us, I started about five or six years old. I was bummed that I didn't start at three. No matter when you start, you're going to wish you started sooner. Um, but the most important thing is just practice. The last thing I want to say is to all of you guys that have taken advantage of the two free weeks on mikeslessons.com, congratulations. Welcome to the family. Uh, I've been trying to call as many of you as I can to get you onboarded and make sure you feel comfortable with the website. Uh, we are going to run that promotion all the way till January 1st. So if you, got, nice. if you guys want to try out mikeslessons.com for free, just go to mikeslessons.com, sign up like normal, and on checkout, enter the code podcast, all lowercase podcast, and that'll give you two free weeks. And then in those two weeks, if you don't like my stupid website, you can just cancel. You'll never get charged <laughs> a dime. Uh, so let's get into PASIC. So for those that don't know, PASIC is the Percussive Arts Society's International, International Conference. Convention. 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 Oof. Yeah. It was so close. So close. Uh, yeah. And this is actually where our friendship and our relationship kind of took off was at PASIC 2012, maybe, was the, the time that I played there. Was that when it was? It was Man, that was a while ago. 2012, 2013. Um, and that was definitely, for me, when I look back over my career as a clinician, that's still the number one moment that changed my life as a clinician. And the second that that was over, that performance was over, I was being booked left and right for festivals and mm. clinic tours and stuff. And then eventually the Modern Drummer cover. And it, it led to a lot of things. So I've always taken this conference uh, very serious. And so what is PASIC as far as the convention itself? What is it set up to do? PASIC is, um, how do you describe it? I mean, it's it's not just drum set. It's, it's percussion and percussive arts from around the world come together for for four days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, four days and master classes and clinics. And there's a gear expo and workshops. And essentially, I mean, it's kind of geared more to, towards the academic side of what we do. A lot right. of like research papers are presented and it's a, a collegiate level, I think, um, event. But that said, I went in high school and didn't feel like I actually gave me something to aspire to, to see all these like college professors giving presentations and things. It was really neat. So it, it's, um, gosh, how many rooms are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Looks like there's ten different clinic rooms throughout the weekend and from 9 a.m. to 8 or 9 p.m. there's something going on. It's it's really intense. I mean, I in general. It is. I mean, just for me to see the drum set clinics alone is is impossible to get to all of them. So it's intense. It's definitely worth going for anyone who's really into the the art of drums and percussion once in your life to just to see you know how deep this can really go. Like, and not yeah. just the drum set stuff. Go check out the, the uh, like the Blue Devils drum corps was there to go oh, cool. see that stuff in in person. There's a lot of you know hand percussion and symphonic percussion and. You know, great percussion ensembles playing new music. It's 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 overwhelming and inspiring, and exhausting and cool. And there's you go to the exhibit hall and you get to try out prototypes from all the companies and right. 
some companies were selling stuff, so you could actually. I know. Um, yeah, that's one thing that's a little bit different about Pasic is I know if you go to Vader's booth or any stick booth, you can usually buy the sticks there. And yeah. same with all of the music publishers. That's a cool place to if you want to stock up on some books or some DVDs. That's yeah. the place to go. Exactly. For sure. That's where I got um, my first drum book. Was it Pasic nineteen ninety four? No way. <laughs> yeah. In nice, Atlanta. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Pasic's an amazing event for sure. And it's it's one of those things where, like you said, my I went to it once and then I think three years later I was performing at it. And I remember just looking at my sound check time and thinking, okay, my sound check and my setup is gonna cause me to miss three of my favorite clinicians in the world because yep. they're in a different room. And that's how quick this thing goes. It's, you know, when you're at NAM, really all you can do is think about the nighttime concerts or maybe the sonar booth will have one of their artists once a day. Yeah. All right. PASIC is the exact opposite. It's a little bit of a show or a gear show. And then there's just constant education in every room that you look in. And it's very hard. Like you said, you might think like, oh, I got to go see Steve Smith right now. But on the way, you pass some of the greatest percussionists on the planet. <laughs> And you're thinking, wait, could I get more out of that? Because that's oh, yeah. that's the secret sauce right there, <laughs> uh, you know. And then and then, like you said, you you pass by one of the guys from the Blue Devils giving a, a technique clinic, and you're thinking, oh, yeah. my technique sucks too. So yeah, it's it's, it's tough to catch all that's there for sure. And so walked, who did uh, you go and see? Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'll say I I logged about 20 miles of walking throughout the weekend. Out of boy, it was out of boy, it was intense. At the end of the, I mean, I even had to like midday. I'd have to go back to my room and just get off my feet for like an hour. Yeah. So I had to miss something just because I, I knew that if I tried to go straight through and I was eating convention center pizza, I'd be done. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say. So do you do you go ahead and take all those steps on your little counter and think I can eat whatever the hell I want, or do you say this is my chance to do all that work and kick it up a notch with the chicken breast and steamed broccoli yeah i'm definitely the the latter of thinking okay what what, because i'm only going to generally only going to eat once a day or maybe twice so i need to make sure i eat something that's that's nutritious and not just that you know microwave bread with cheese on it (laughs) yeah although i did have a piece of that on the last day i had to but Okay. <laughs> I had to. I was futzing around. I had to get, yeah, get my futzing. pizza on. So okay, so let's go through some of the clinics. Okay. Uh Thursday. Wednesday is is kind of like a new music uh day and I don't generally go in that day because it, it's not drum set oriented, it's more kind of classical and, and collegiate oriented. So I get in on Thursday. I actually missed the first two clinics. Like I said, I mean, I got in. I landed around eleven thirty, and I already missed the first two clinics. So that was Wayne Salzman, who I'm I'm bummed I missed it, but I did get a copy of his book, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Okay. Um, but his book is called "Developing Melodic Language on the Drums." Um, everyone that went to it said it was actually the highlight of PASIC as far as just a really well informed educational wow. clinic. He teaches at uh, University of Texas down in Austin. Okay. And he plays with songwriter, I believe, Bob Schneider, I think is his name. Um, really popular Austin-based artist. Great guy, young guy. I'm really into it, but the book is great, so we'll talk about that more again. Um, and I also missed Kaz Rodriguez, who unfortunately I don't know anything about. Do you know anything about Kaz Rodriguez? No. I never heard of him, so that's someone I'm going to have to investigate more. Um so he, they were the first two clinics, but then the one I first one I got to see was Matt Griner. Oh, cool! Um, From August Burns Red. Yeah, exactly. And he came out and played I think two two songs in a row from his band, 
and then kind of shifted gears and did, I think it was like a, a contemporary Christian song or something. Yeah, it was. I saw a clip from that. Really cool. Yeah, kind of more kind of vibey. And then he, I believe he played an Ash Sohn track. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So it kind of went from like extreme kind of techie metal to kind of more of a color, mellow groove to, you know, a pocket piece. And did he teach as well or just mainly perform? Uh, mainly performed. I didn't get to see the whole hour. Like I said, I have to just, you know scamper out to the next one. But right. he just had some good messages about like the big thing that I remember was was not always chasing whatever's cool. You know, try to find your own voice, not chase. Yeah. You know, because in the, the Instagram culture, you see someone do something cool, and you think I got to do that or whatever. That was kind of cautioned against that. Um, you know, just kind of you know focus on your own thing and and do what you do. Um, and overall, everyone had a great vibe. This was there was very few. There wasn't any clinicians that had a little bit of a snobbiness or anything like that. Everyone was real, like open and warm, and had the same kind of positive, like you know, just just do you kind of message, which was cool. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't feel like there was any competitive. Like let me let me be the greatest drummer on earth with my basic clinic kind of thing. Right. Um, so that was it. One and then Adam Deitch came out at three and. Drops, nice. drops some pocket. Um, yeah. He's definitely someone that you have to see live to really get the full experience. Uh, the first thing he did was he had the audience stomp on beat one and clap on two and four. And he just played the funkiest, just simple. His kick drum was only on one. He was, The whole thing was he's kind of emphasizing how the one is the most important thing. Wow. So like just kick on one and just a real tasty groove on two and four. And it was just so, I mean, it was, it was amazing. His pocket is, awesome. is heavy. It's so funny because if you think about, for those of you that are sitting at home or driving in your car right now and you're thinking about, okay, you come out to the crowd, I could do that. And it's like, okay, could you could you really do it like <laughs> yeah. emotionally? Or would you be thinking like, God, they're just going to, they hate me. This sucks. This isn't cool <laughs> enough. But what makes it cool besides the playing? Let's just assume that the playing is is good like Adam is. What makes it work is that he believes in it. Yeah, he's in his head going like, "Damn, this is crazy funky." Yeah, but if exactly. he had like that little kind of nervous look on his face, like I don't know, do you like it? Then it would all fall apart. Yeah, yeah. but what gets you to and that's such a a performance thing. What gets you to buy in is when the performer buys in to his or her playing themselves. You yeah, know? and his whole message was, you know, simplify, take things away. You're playing music, you're making people dance, and and the one is you know the most important thing and. So he right. kind of was relaying, you know, years of experience going from playing a little bit busier as a younger drummer to where he's at now and what gets him hired. And it's it's nothing but laying it down. Like, that's his yeah. whole thing. Just kind of removing yep. removing the clutter. Uh, and then he did some, he played some tracks that he'd written just, you know, written just for the show. I mean, he was great. Really, really cool. great. He's, he's fantastic. Um, Eric Moore came out and closed the day. And just blazed. (laughs) (laughs) Shut it down. (laughs) Just blazed. But again, it was playful. It was humorous. Eric has a great sense of humor and a a self-deprecating sense of humor. And, you know, I mean, we we grew up as, I guess, late teenagers to our early 20s together here in uh, Northern California, playing together all the time. And, you know, I mean, even then I was like, God, I don't know how anybody can have this much facility on the drum set. It never, he never runs out, you know? And so it makes him a great clinician because if you just let him sit down on a kit, he'll play for 40 minutes and 
never run out of stuff to play. It's it's incredible, <laughs> yeah. and he does have a great personality. He's not sheepish, you know. He he can handle a microphone, so that's cool. I'm glad that, uh, and I'm glad that he was involved in PASIC because I think they've skipped over guys like Eric in the past where maybe they just thought it was all chops but didn't take a chance to get to know the drummer. And it's like Eric knows his stuff, you know, and he knows the history of his stuff too. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of unfair. I think he's he's definitely a freak of nature on the drums. So right, it's like, okay, that's just unfair that you can do all that. I mean, yeah, you practice, but come on, man. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, it's a uh, little bit unfair. Your reflexes are just a little bit faster than most, I think. <laughs> dude, the guy's a, he's a freak. It's it's awesome to watch, man. And um, and I, and the the one thing I will say is he doesn't understand why you can't do it because <laughs> I've I've heard him tell me many times he's like he's like man you got this I'm like no bro I really don't have this like I'm not faking <laughs> that I suck around you like I can't play this uh, we're gonna have to slow it down about ninety BPM but uh, that's cool yeah and then the evening so every night there's the evening concert that was the Chad Wackerman trio. Uh, I, I unfortunately had a, a dinner I had to get to. I missed it, but people that went said it was neat. He had some electronics that were incorporated with his acoustic kit in a real kind of seamless way that they thought was pretty interesting. Cool. Um, you know, so it was, again, we had like relatively unknowns and up and comers and legends all in. That's just one day. That's just day one. Dude. Uh, all right, Friday, who do we got? Andres Ferrero, who we talked about a bit. He's in Hamilton on Broadway. Yes. He did a really cool presentation. He recorded, I guess he had a GoPro in the pit, and he recorded himself playing the show from overhead, and then he he went back later and dropped in the score. So as he's playing the stuff, the score is going by. But oh, cool. on stage, he he played to it. So basically, he was playing to a recording of himself playing the actual show. That's so awesome. So he did it live, and you could see the video of him in the pit along with the score going by. Uh, it was it was a good kind of like pulled you know look behind the curtain of what it actually takes to play a show like Hamilton on Broadway because everything is written yeah. out essentially he's playing it like note for note a few mm-hmm. a few fills here and there that he didn't that weren't like they were just slashes on the chart right but and that's that's a real tricky show a lot of little stops it's a hip hop show so it's typical like dropouts every seven or eight bars little and I things. think so few people get a chance to even taste that life you know you either think i've never played anything like that or you're carter mclean in the lion king and it's like well they're they're most cities do have a local theater troupe and you can you can start to just say hey if you guys ever do a production of guys and dolls and you need a drummer i got your back you know and once you start to get into that then you'll realize there's probably you know the sacramento music circus like the professional version in your hometown and then you can start to get into that world and that's when it's like okay do you do you enjoy this because this is i mean when i think of gigs i definitely don't think of hamilton and the lion king that's an an entirely different world where i mean you're in the middle of kind of you know training and understudying for this kind of stuff it's not just go in and do lights by journey no, you know, and, and you can't do and, your own thing. That's that's right. the big thing. Like what's you don't, on the you don't page? Stamp your voice on it. <laughs> yeah. Like you could see. I mean, it was. That's kind of like why the guys who have the main book have the main seat. The parts evolve a little bit just to kind of reflect their style, but they're still reading it. But if you're trying to sub for that guy, you're going to see. All right, what's in the book, and then what does he actually play, and make little notes because you kind of got to learn it note for note, and it has to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And not just the rhythms; you got to learn the touch and the dynamics, and right. there's a lot going on. So it was really neat. I mean, he's he's for real. Um, 
so he he kind of laid it down and just showed what it was like to play in the that's number, great you know, great show on Broadway. Uh, Bernie Dressel played with the Airmen of Note and and kind of talked about swing, classic swing. That was fun. Um, the Airmen of Note is the Air Force big band, the number one Air Force big band. Uh, what else do we have? Daru Jones. That was I think that was the oddball for everyone. You know, you were looking forward to that in a trepidatious way. I remember. Yeah, and I was thinking, you know, is does his thing translate to that type of a forum? Right. Uh, I. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I was digging it. I kind of get what he does, but he doesn't play the drums like anyone else. So it's kind of like, how do you interpret that into something you can use? But it was neat. I mean, he played to some really kind of funky loops, and then he brought a uh, one of his bandmates out and played with him for a bit and just grooved. Cool. But it was cool. I mean, he's just a, he's another just a character. You got to see him live to really kind of get the full right. effect. I think if anything, you know, a Daru clinic is going to give people instead of that. Uh, Thomas Lang, Marco Miniman, Virgil Donati, Eric Moore inspiration of what's possible. I think if anything, it gives them the inspiration that you can choose your own lane yeah. on this highway of drums yeah. and be just fine. You so, know? Yeah. I remember seeing um, who's the cat that plays for Lenny Kravitz. Uh, Which one? Uh, Zorro? No, no, no. The most recent guy. Oh, Franklin. Uh, Franklin. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember seeing him and I, that's kind of, we, we did the London drum show together and even though his stuff is the opposite of Daru, it's very straight ahead, very perfect. He clearly wasn't trying to be dominant drum clinic guy. He was laying yeah. it down. And, and I remember just looking at the crowd and I'm thinking, everyone here must feel so empowered right now. Like they're, yeah. they're saying, I could do this. And then I would assume that with Daru, the artists in the crowd that always have felt weird, the outcasts are feeling like, Dude, I can be me. It's giving them the freedom to be themselves and not be shoved into a little box. So. Yeah. I mean, he definitely wins the award for the most bizarre drum setup, I think, of all time. Everything was yeah. like, everything was angled to the right, like to his right. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he his, saw the Keith Carlock video for Modern Drummer, and he was like, oh, I could beat that. Oh, man. That's, his, that's his, weak. His quote-unquote rack tom was over his left shoulder, like behind him. Actually, like his left hip, it was behind him to the left. Nice. Is really, I mean, it was it was funky. It made his visual presentation really interesting because it, it almost looked like he was just sitting up there with no instrument, like as it was just so spread out and and right. low and angled weird, and it was small, small kit. So it was almost like he was up there like just dancing in a chair. Wow, <laughs> it was really awesome. neat. I love it. <laughs> and then uh, you know that Friday was closed out by the great Steve Smith, which I told you, and I no smoke. I think he is the greatest drum clinician of all time. He's kind of got it down. He's mastered the art of the drum clinic to the point where it, yeah. like, it was not just the drumming. I mean, obviously, he's one of the greatest drummers of all time. Right. But his presentation was just so flawless, like, natural. He never said, um. He never had to fumble through, like, notes. He never, he never repeated himself. And he was able to transition from one idea to the next in a way that felt like he just thought about it right now. But you could tell that it was part of an outline. He just just went straight down his bullet points in such a natural way. Yeah. That, that at first you think, wow, that's a he's really taking a tangent to the different direction. But then it like tied all right back into what he was just talking about. He never. And it just. And he's real comfortable in the microphone. I think what what he he understands the the art of presentation where the fewer words the better. You know, which mm. most drum clinicians, myself included. We just start to spit words out, and it gets going kind of too fast. And he just 
it's kind of got the, the Barack Obama approach of just say a couple things, give it some air, and then say a couple yeah. more things. Let it sink in. Yeah, not try to cram too much information. So he was focusing on uh, essentially how to take simple ideas and get the most out of them to when you're improvising. So he started with a Max Roach like four beat thing. And then he just took it through different ways to interpret it and rework it and turn it into a three-beat thing and a five-beat thing and different cool. orchestrations. And then he talked about um, he's been working on the paradiddle and putting a flam on the diddle. So he took okay. that, you know, just that idea and took it through all the permutations and different subdivisions and applied it to the drum set. So he just I can't stop doing it. Yeah. So I'm he kind of he, doing it. So he started like kind of basic, not basic, but intermediate, and then. And just transitions you up to what he's actually working on now. So it was kind of real applicable, and you can kind of That's see really the path. Cool. <clears throat> but I was just mesmerized by how just good he is at giving clinics, man. Well, you also now that you've done your first like major clinic, you also are probably viewing clinics through a different set of eyes mm-hmm. because now you can really put yourself in that position because you just did it, and that's yeah. You know, it's really rare that I watch a clinic and. I'm sitting there judging the drumming because I know the drumming is going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm always looking for little bits and pieces, just like you said. Like, okay, this person is giving it space, but it's not space because they don't know what to say next. It's space because they want you to think about what they just said. Yeah, and that's totally different. You can see the intention on the presenter's face, whether they're thinking of what's coming next yeah. or if they yeah. or if they think to themselves, "Look, I just dropped a freaking knowledge bomb on you. Please mull that over for a second while." I give you the time. Yeah. And then the other thing is, as a clinician, it's your job, or as any presenter, it's your job to make sure that the crowd never feels nervous. They're going to feel nervous for you because some of them are putting themselves in your position. They're like, oh, here, oh, oh, boy. He just needs to get back on the kit. Get him back on the kit. He shouldn't have stepped in front. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. So you you have to be able to give the audience that vibe of like, I've got this. Yeah. You're in good hands tonight. Yeah, and just the confidence of like, all right, I'm not going to try to give you my entire life's work in one hour. We're just going to do one thing, and, yeah. I'm gonna, and we're going to take it not so far. I'm not trying to impress you with my knowledge. I'm just giving you something, and it's clearly something that he's yeah. been working on, and that was what was really cool. Like You could just feel that he was excited about the topic of it. Right, and the other thing about that is, one, it's not regurgitated content from two years ago, so like you said, he will be excited about it. But the other thing is, if you are a fan of Steve Smith, there's a reason to go see him three months from now because it might be different content. Yeah, right. And I can't stand when I see a you know, drum clinic, and I'm like, man, I saw you when I was seven, and you taught the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Are you telling me you haven't practiced in 33 years? That's insane. And so I love when I see a clinician, and it's like, yeah, I saw him last year, but I want to go see him this year because – he or she's going to going to show me where they're at now. Yeah, and exactly. That's a cool thing. Yeah, I've seen, so. I think I've seen Steve a half a dozen times in clinic, and each, every time it's been different. It, it started when he made the transition from his his journey, early journey kind of uh, approach to the Freddie Gruber approach. I saw him kind of go through that process of opening himself right. up. But yeah, so he was great, and and like I said, for me, it was like he didn't have to tell you what he was going to tell you, and then tell you that it, he just talked and. You could see that he went straight down. He got to every point he wanted to get to, but it wasn't like he had a script. He was very right. off script, it, and it was, but very thought out. So yeah, he gets the award for me for just the master of the art of drum clinic. Uh, Saturday we had 
uh, kind of the polar opposite. We had Johnny Vodakovich came out and played with a, a trio. Uh, that dude. Which I love him, and if you've never seen Johnny, you wouldn't probably you probably think he's he's pretending to be so New Orleans, but that's his. Vibe. Oh no, that's, <laughs> dude! Feel free type his name into uh, YouTube right now and find his earliest video. He can't stop being that, and it, and it's awesome. You yeah, know? it's epic because it is what it is. You're getting it from the source. Yeah, and yeah, and he love and that guy. he is his spine is so flexible. Like when he would start a tune he would lean back so far like horizontal back like that that's the way he feels the groove like horizontal backwards i love it love it so it was neat i mean he he obviously was just jamming with these guys so the music at times was kind of like well they don't really not really sure exactly what's happening but right he kind of explained some of the stuff about playing in the cracks between straight and shuffle and a kind of a good way of thinking about it it's either what he say it's either a straight shuffle or like a a, a lopey 16th note it's in the middle so then right that frees you up to be able to use 16ths or triplets when you're playing fills and embellishments and not like have to shift your thinking because you're mm-hmm. always going to yeah. plan this half 16th half triplet groove so then you can play 16ths if you want a little bit denser fill or you can play triplets if you want a little bit more space but you're never having yeah. to think I'm shifting from triplets to eighth notes or whatever. It's yeah, it's less of a grid. The grid is really just the pulse. Yeah, exactly. And now you're free to do what you want inside there. Yep. And he's kind of evolved to like a, you know, a masterful, you know, kind of abstract approach to the drum set, kind of like Paul Motion. Yeah. So it was kind of neat to just. I mean, he just kind of planned whatever. It wasn't like he was trying to impress anybody. He could just play brushes or whatever. It was. It was cool. Uh, the next one was Hannah Welton, who came out and just lit everyone up which is energy and excitement for drumming yeah. it was really inspiring she she brought it i mean I've, I've i first met her when she was a teenager and her dad brought her to pasic and modern drummer yeah. festivals so to see her kind of evolve into a bit of a mentor kind of a vibe for for young drummers it was really really cool and just so legitly excited and happy to be playing music and grateful that girl put in the work man i remember you know having my first PASIC dinner with her and her dad and the Vader crew and yep. uh, Musicians Friends crew. And she was like maybe 15, I think. And I remember thinking <clears throat> like, okay, the hubbub is over superficial stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I wasn't trying to be rude. It was like, no, like I'm looking for the Annika Nillises of the world that can represent female drummers. And in full transparency at the time i just didn't think that that's where she wanted to go i was i couldn't have been more wrong i watched her 16 17 18 19 just get put in the time put in the time doing clinics like putting herself in positions where she was clearly over her head and then having to force herself to rise to that occasion yeah and then you know we all got the news like yeah she got the new prince gig and it's like i'm sorry what (laughs) and then then you watch her play and it's like yeah, well deserved. So I give it up to her. Like she took all of that noise that's out there on the internet, squashed it, and then just worked her butt off. And she's a legit professional drummer. So good yeah. for her. Yeah, yeah. She and it was just, it was really just so sincere and positive, and she was very just grateful. And and she, cool. I mean, she can really lay it down more than anything. She exudes just the happiness to play music when she plays. It kind of, kind of the notes are yeah. relevant. She played great. But it was just like for me, like all right, take a, just to take five percent of that and apply it to what I do. Just smile, right. like she didn't stop smiling the entire time. 
Yeah, and it's not fake. No, it was legit. She really yeah. digs it. It's, yeah. it's yeah, very inspiring. That's cool. Yeah, and then after her was another uh, great female drummer, Nikki Glaspie. Mm-hmm. And she brought her band um, Nth Power, which is a bass guitar trio, and, and the guitar sings. And she sings like a bird. She was on all the harmonies. Really? I mean, it was beautiful. And that was, I mean, she is legit with her pocket. It was yeah. It was no joke. It was the best music of the weekend. I mean, they just came out and threw it down, and it was like she even played a couple songs, came out and was like, "All right, well, do you want to ask any questions, or we can just keep playing?" And everyone's like, "Uh, "Can you just keep playing?" (laughs) That's so cool. (laughs) So they essentially gave us like a midday concert, and it was. I mean, she's so funky. Yeah, I mean, her backbeats were just like you know, just like a, a brick house. Like you could not shake it. Um, really cool band too. Inth, Inth Power, I think they're called. It's it's sort of rock, sort of funk, sort of jazzy. It's a little bit of everything. Um, nice. But just to hear her sing the vocals over top of that guy's main vocal part, it was like, dang, that's that's next level. They were really that's tight cool. harmonies. It was beautiful. Um, and then we got Stanley Randolph from Stevie Wonder finished the drum set clinics, uh, which was great. I mean, he came out and played some Stevie Wonder tunes and laid it down so kind of the theme of the whole show this year was just people just laying it down like aside from eric who played all the notes for everybody (laughs) yeah i mean once if you're looking at the lineup because the way these things work guys you get booked five to six months in advance so you kind of look at the lineup that you're going to be a part of and you go okay he's going to take care of that she's going to take care of that where do i fit in um the lineup I've got going on, uh, Richard Spaven just got announced for the UK drum show. So right now it's myself, Benny Greb, and Richard Spaven. Oh, Trust me, I'm looking at that lineup and I'm like, okay, I don't need to be Yoda because he's already there. I'm definitely not <laughs> going to play some electronic, you know, uh, <laughs> trip hop music because Richard Spaven's there. So where do I fit in with this stuff? And so yeah, so I think uh, if you notice that Eric Moore's on the clinic, it's like cool. I don't have to do any fills, yep. uh, notes, or plays any of. chops. Let's let's <laughs> lay it down. That's really cool. Yeah, so I mean, there, I, I overlooked uh, Brian Ferguson, who's a great Austin-based drummer. He he was in the sector, the main room, and they have a secondary clinic room. Yep. So I kind of had to like you know run across the hall to get to that one. But he the same thing. He came out and just played some great kind of singer songwriter songs, and it was just very musical. So it was it was a, a very I mean, the drum set was represented as it should be at PASIC this year. I was just going to say, it sounds like, you know, through the social media explosion of how many notes can you play, it seems like we're finally getting back to the drum set's role in music, making things feel good. And there's nothing wrong with having dense stuff as long as it's in the right environment, you know? Uh, Yeah, exactly. I have, when, when Eric's playing his clinic tracks, I would really be bummed if he was just playing cross stick on two and four and nothing else, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. dude, these tracks were designed for you to go bananas, go bananas. So yeah. I, mean, I think as long as you're playing proper to the music, it's fine. And, and you know, the gigs that I remember him, I mean, with suicidal tendencies and infectious grooves, those were, those were appropriate kind of gigs to be just written. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but yeah, Absolutely. It, overall it was a good show. I'm sure I left out some other stuff, but you know, and, and dream was there giving away the little effects bells for everyone. Uh, so if you got your bells, you know, enjoy them. I'm actually going to take nice. two of them and try to make some mini hats and see what the heck I can do with that. So, okay. We'll so now I have a question for you. Yep. We are 46 minutes deep. Yep. <laughs> into our wrap up of basic. Do you want to do our feature drummer now, or do you want to do it next week and go straight to the gear talk? Let's go straight to gear. 
Okay, and yeah. I, I actually would prefer that. Our, our feature drummer is going to be John Blackwell Jr. and an amazing artist, human being, and I think we need to cover him in depth because both of us probably have a lot to say about John Blackwell Jr. So yeah, sure. we'll get into that. So the Black Swamp Dynamic Snares. So the company is Dynamics. D Y N. No, the company no, is, it is not. Black Swamp. That's what I was trying to tell you. I don't understand why you're being so <laughs> combative. <laughs> um, okay, so Black Swamp is the company. Dynamics with an X at the end uh, is the series of drums. Yeah. So if if you're not familiar with Black Swamp, they got they kind of made their name as a more of a symphonic percussion uh, accessory instrument company, like making. Um, tambourines and mallets and stuff. So when I was in college, maybe late high school, everyone, you know, if if you had the good stuff, you had a black swamp tambourine, or you had black swamp really okay, mallets. yeah. So the company is Black Swamp and Swamp, and they also make really good classical, you know, symphonic snare drums and all kinds of stuff. So, but the Dynamics is their drum set snare drum series. I gotcha. Okay, uh, so uh, these things are no joke. They are legit. Uh, it's dynamic with an X legit. at the end. So we got three drums to check out: the Sterling series, the Live Exclamation Point series, and the Backbeat series. Um, yeah. So which one do you want to talk about first? Well, let's just start from the beginning. Let's start with the um, the dynamics, uh, the the Sterling. So this is the one with the bass draw, drum claws looking things on the hoops. Yep, on the single flange hoops. Single flange hoops with claws. Um, they've got their own lug, which is kind of like a I don't know what you would call that. It looks like the uh, St. Louis Arch kind of. You know. Yeah, yeah, they have really cool lugs. I mean, that's the one thing that I noticed right away. I was like, oh, you can't order that from you know, yeah, uh, yeah. World Max. Like you guys must have made that, and so. The drums are gorgeous. I've never heard of this wood, Cocobolo. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. It's a special wood. I have a I have a snare drum made from that from another company that it's pretty special. It's a hardwood. Um and this is, has a steam bent shell. So it's but it's also a gorgeous wood. Like that's the actual wood finish, that kind of red, dark red kind of looking timber. That's the that's the way the wood looks. It's um, it's unbelievable. I mean, cuz I, I know your cameras so I know um, the I know the colors that your cameras provide, which you honestly have a very honest look, a very true look. And when I saw this thing, I actually think it looks better in your video than it does even in the promo pictures for the drum, yeah. which is usually the best it's ever going to look. Right, just right. like a McDonald's cheeseburger looks great, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, at the drive-through, and then you get the bag, and you're like, what the hell? Sorry, McDonald's, but this thing looks amazing. <laughs> and then that. So what is the little inlay? Is that Silver is that steel? It is a 0.032 inch sterling silver plated wire that they cut and wow. and and put it into the shell. And it's what not, a cool little thing. And it's not to cover up a seam, so it's not a two piece shell that they're trying to cover up okay. with this inlay. They just they just put it in there as a touch, and it's like a little braided wire. It's subtle, but it's like a detail that's like okay, these are these are legit. It's gorgeous, man. It's gorgeous. So this that's kind of like the Coca Bowl is kind of Black Swamp's snare drum shell of choice. So this is kind of okay. like their their uh, you know their flagship line. Their symphonic drums are made from this and everything. So let's check out a little bit of the Coca Bola.
you can definitely hear that 30 degree bearing edge and just that warmth that comes out of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm actually really surprised at how fantastic it sounds in the higher tuning. Yep. Um, As a 14 by six and a half, I would expect it to sound good when you detune it, but it sounded really good cranked up. Yeah, which goes, I mean, they know symphonic snare drums, and that's kind of the sound. Yeah. So they're able to try and transfer that to get real sensitive and real clean, but still kind of fat and warm. That's a great drum. Um, it's, it's, you know, Man. It's, it's their priciest. It's a it's a $1,000 drum. Uh, it should be, but I mean, I'm just thinking like, ooh, Mike had to s- send that back? Like, I don't <laughs> know. If, <laughs> I could see you being like, hey, babe, um, <clears throat> They're going to give me like 10 over cost, which is cool. <laughs> you know, and like trying to make a case to keep that drum, man. Uh, no, it was a lot of fun. And then, so the next series is the live series, which again is a solid shell, but this one has a ambrosia maple, which I'd, I'd never heard of ambrosia maple before, but it's a solid maple shell, five and a half by 14. Um, but this series this has is, your standard triple flange hoops instead yep, of the claws. Standard triple flange hoops, but it still has their their throw off and their lugs. Yeah, um, this was again was kind of more like a one drum does everything. This kind of was would have been it for me. So let's check out the solid ambrosia maple. Yeah, like I said, it'd be hard to send that one back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I was trying to figure out, like, if I had these three drums, what would they do? Like, the for me, the, the Coca-Bola was kind of the 
if I wanted something higher, that was it. And, and yeah. for me, the the maple was the middle, medium tuning. Mm-hmm. They could, they all could do everything, and they kind of had a consistent sensitivity that would work on just about anything. But I feel like that maple was like, all right, medium high is kind of where it wants to be. Yeah, uh, really, the lower tuning. I felt like maybe the next drum we're going to talk about was a little bit better suited for that. But okay. But that said, all all three of these could do anything, um, which is probably why it was easy to send them back. Because I'm like, all right, get out of here. I don't I don't need any drums that can yeah, do anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need something yeah, weird. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I'm I'm in that same boat right now where I'm like, okay, I've got all the good sounding drums. Now I need I need something crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this seems like that all around snare drum. It seems really sensitive too, which probably speaks to their symphonic background. Mm-hmm. That it's just got great sensitivity, so you're gonna it's gonna pick up all your ghost notes and then give you a nice you know smack of a backbeat. And the price on this is getting really affordable. It's a it's a, again it's a solid shell drum and it's only seven hundred and seventy. You know that's the that's the list price. I'm not sure what it what it costs in right. the shop, but that's a pretty good price for a for a steam bent. Solid that's a shell. great price. Um, so the last I, I one totally is agree. their their ply shell. So it's called the Backbeat series, and they're using the thick uh, Keller Magnum shell, which the Magnum Maple shell has thicker individual plies, so they can use fewer number of plies and have more Got wood, it. less glue. Uh, this one, I love this wrap. What is it? It's um, it's like antique it? bronze. It's called copper pearl wrap. Okay, l- let's rename it. The orange chicken wrap because it looks like I just went to the Chinese restaurant, and got orange chicken spilled all over my drum. It's but it's gorgeous. Um, I loved it. It was sort of like it gave me a, a hint of throwback vintage vibe, but the orange just made it kind of modern at the same time. Yeah, it's. I mean, a lot of companies have tried to do that kind of burnt copper thing in a flat finish with no texture to it. This has that vintage marine pearl vibe mm-hmm. but it's got it in that burnt orange color it's it's gorgeous yeah so this is kind of i felt like this was their closest to the old radio king kind of fat back snare drum uh, so let's check it out
You know, it's it's funny. That's another one that I'm really surprised at how great it sounds. High tuned. Yep. Um, yep. Again, that that's, just they know how to do that and make drums sound full, but really sensitive when they're tight for symphonic yeah. stuff. This was the that's drum, great. And I mean, that, the that's four hundred sixty nine. Yeah, exactly. That's this was the one that I thought. Okay, if I want to keep one, it's going to be this one because this would be the one I could just take to you know grimy rock clubs and just beat the crap out of it, and it's always going to sound good, and I'm not have to worry about like you know taking a second mortgage to buy it. Right. <laughs> yeah, but that I mean, all three of those are amazing, and I'm glad that I know a little bit more about this company now because I I didn't know clearly I didn't even know that the company was called Black Swamp. Um, but it's it's cool to know that there's another company out there making fantastic drums, especially with a symphonic background. Yep. For for me, I mean, I know the trend right now is like how low and gushy can you get your snare, but I'm cranking my snare up, so I'm yep. always looking for things that can handle a higher tuning without choking out and all three of these seem to do really well with that yeah yeah they're all great so it's kind of like what do you want do you want like a really sophisticated look because they kind of all can do everything sonically so if right. you want that kind of sophisticated classy look then the sterling series if you want kind of like a all-purpose maple looking drum you got the live series if you want that kind of vintage pearl vibe you got the backbeat series and they do make the at least I know for the live they do make that in different woods too right they make it in cherry and something else yep. so Birds if maple, maple isn't your yep. favorite Walnut, cherry there you go yeah cool cool stuff definitely so, check yeah. those folks out and the video uh, link will be in our show notes if you want to see the whole demo of each of these there you go all right you ready to get in some questions let's crank them out man I was a blowhard with Pasic cheesy Pete's all right here we go. <laughs> Uh, I, I think we actually just ruined Pasek's attendance for next year. Like, well, I'll just listen to Mike talk about it in 2018. It'll be all good. All right, I have two. I think I have two questions that are related to time that kind of wrap up where okay. we were last week. So this one's from Matt. I've been diving into playing along with the metronome set on the E's and U's to improve my time. Are there other things you guys practice to hone this skill other than just playing along to it? Oh yes, I do. Uh, so one thing I do with the E's or the U's or both of the E's and U's um, is I try to jump over to it and make it the downbeat for like maybe one bar of displacement and then jump back to it being on the E's and the U's. Um, so, and I do that also with my, um, my metronome that I usually play to during the day is an eight-bar phrase of gap, then click. I'm sorry, click, then gap, click, then gap, and then four bars of dotted quarter notes. And I will eventually jump to those dotted quarter notes. Um, I'm sorry, dotted eighth notes. Mm-hmm. One and two okay. and three and four and one and two. And and I'll jump to that becoming my new groove. So one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and and then jump back to the regular time. So I would say you know, one thing you can do with it is jump to the E's and U's, make that the the eighth notes and then see can you jump back and forth um with that and the other thing would be can you just lay out for a while can you lay out for four bars and leave those e's and us where they were and then come back in right on the true one mm. yeah. about you buddy i don't really have any i mean other than because i'm still just trying to control that just using the yeah you know, I very rarely practice with the click on the downbeats anymore. It's usually the E's or the O's or the ands. So that that alone, just being able to play through rudimental <laughs> solos, Wilcoxon solos, portraits and rhythm, you know, just be able to and just technique stuff like going through, you know, the the alphabet and from Benny Greb's DVD with all the variations with mm-hmm. the click on the offbeat. I mean, 
It's I, enough. I don't need any other ways to mess with myself. That's well, kind I of think, though, but one thing that you're skipping over is the fact that you even do that. That's a lot different than a drummer sitting down on a drum set and playing basic grooves and some simple fills along with an offbeat click. You're actually working on written, prepared material yeah, that yeah. is already hard to play with a quarter note click exactly. and then to move the click. So I think you're already doing more than enough. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's you know, I, my caution is don't try to do too much with that. Just yeah. master it because, it, I mean, if you've mastered it, then you need to show me what you're doing <laughs> because right. every other day I'm like, dang, I cannot hear the click on the E today. <laughs> I'm with you. All right, this is, uh, I'm not sure how we're going to answer this. This is from Nick. Uh, so he wrote, he sent like a notation of a groove. Uh, so he says, any chance you guys could talk about how the left foot functions in grooves like this shuffle? And it's the ride cymbals on the quarter notes. The left foot is playing all the uhs, the, trip, the third triplet note. Okay. And it's just a shuffle, you know, a snare on two and four, kick on one and three. So okay. do you use the left foot in this way in grooves or fills? And who are some drummers that do this? Man, that's a cool that I've never played a shuffle like that. I, I, I use my left foot in halftime shuffles a lot, just maybe because I got it from Jason McGrew mm-hmm. with um, Grapevine Fires, Death Cab for Cutie. But I've definitely never tried to split the shuffle up between ride and left foot. Have you? Or do you know anybody that does that? Well, I think Steve Gadd kind of made it a thing. Okay. Um, and that's, that's a cool that's, idea. When I think of like what would Steve Gadd play on the shuffle, that's what I think of. That's kind of his <laughs> thing. Right. I don't do it. I feel like it's just it's just physically so demanding. Like I haven't found like a reason other than let me go to something cool that has the left foot involved. Okay. Like I haven't gotcha. had a musical reason to do that because it's just so right. darn demanding. Um, it seems like it could be a great independence exercise yeah. to maybe work on some some comping phrasing between left hand and right foot while keeping that ostinato going between right hand and left foot. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've practiced it, and I think what, what keeps me from using it is when you go into a fill and you're trying to maintain that, it, it's really <laughs> awkward. Like, all of a sudden, yeah. you're, like, just accenting the offbeat. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't, I just don't, I, for me, it, it's fun. It's a great exercise. Gad makes it sound really effortless. I think even Keith right. Carlock does it a bit. But for me, it's just it's too hard. If I'm going to play a shuffle, I'm going to just play a shuffle. I don't need to make yeah. it more difficult um, than it is. All right, let's see one more. <laughs> I can just see him at home right now. He's like, brruh, brruh. <laughs> damn, put like three weeks into that. Mike Dawson hates me. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it is it is a great groove. And like I said, it's, watch Steve Gadd do it. You're like, of course I need to practice that. But I think the other thing, though, too, is that a lot of times when you practice something like that, you actually don't get it. That's not what happens. What happens is you do it and then you almost forget that you ever worked on it. And then at some point that left foot just shows up in a shuffle as one of the notes rather than all of the upbeats. Yeah. And then you look back and go, oh, I'm really glad I worked on that independence thing back in the day because now I have the freedom to put my left foot wherever I want. Yeah, true. And I kind of think with that groove in particular, it's kind of as soon as you do that, anyone who knows, I'm like, oh, you're doing a gad thing. And that for me right. is like, ah, I don't want to be like doing the gad thing on a gig. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. That's just me. All right, our last one comes from Michael. Um, he says, you guys are accurate about when it comes to finding out who you are as an artist. You need to be honest with yourself. My question is, do you have any advice on how to be truly and even brutally honest with yourself without letting outside factors influence your thinking? Hmm. 
Kind of an interesting question that I don't know if I can answer it for me because I've just always been brutally honest with myself, even as right. a kid. Like I, I've just learned to take compliments within the past couple of years. Usually it's like, all right, cool, thanks. You're just telling me I'm good and I know how bad it was. I remember where I screwed up here and I remember I screwed up there. Like I remember from yesterday's right. session which takes I, I pushed the click a little bit more. Like I know mm. it's like in my brain as we were playing. I'm like, ah, take six. Yeah, please don't keep this one. Please don't keep this one. Like, ah, there <laughs> it is. And I, and I totally botched the rim shot. I was trying to do like a buzz roll into a beat four to kind of lead into the first, second verse. And I totally oh, went, you really do remember. Oh, yeah, and I totally went, shkang. <laughs> and the problem was it was the best overall take. I'm like, damn oh. it, he's going to have to, like, edit that out. Shkang. <laughs> so, stupid Manu Kache snare. I've always been that way, and I've just learned that, you know, I've learned to kind of have both sides of, of being very brutally honest with myself is good for me to never, never feel too secure and safe, but at the same time... Right acknowledge that i'm probably criticizing myself way more than anyone else would at this yeah point. and i think you have to figure out what you're being brutally honest about is it your artistic voice on the instrument or is it your skill set on the instrument your skill set on the instrument the good news about that is you can practice right true it's tough yeah. it's tough when you're lost as an artist because you kind of have to figure out who you want to be i can tell you this that one of the best ways to figure out who you want to be is just carve a little time out of your day and go on a YouTube journey and just start type type in anyone. Type in Vinny Caliuta because in that sidebar, YouTube's algorithms are going to pick other drummers besides Vinny for you to check out. And then a couple hours later, you know, you, you just kind of what I call you come up with your drumming DNA. It's mm. my drumming DNA is a mix of Mike Borden from Faith No More, Phil Collins, Abe Cunningham from the Deftones, Brian Blade, Keith Carlock Benny Greb, it's all these people, and then they all mix together a little bit, and then hopefully there's still 25% of me in there, and then that just becomes you know your art, artistic voice. The other thing you have to do is you got to record yourself because yeah. it's really yeah. hard to hear yourself in the moment when you're playing. So when you record yourself and listen to it on the way home from your practice space or whatever, that's when you get to really listen to who you are as an artist, and that's when you can go, wow, that's that's just so busy, you know. I, I know for me, every time I have these things that I call my, um, uh, like they're my get out of jail free cards. They're my mm. buy myself some time licks yep. or chops or improvisations. Those always are so much more listenable than what I was buying myself time to think of. Like, okay, here we go, bringing the heat, and then that bringing the heat part is always just garbled junk. And I'm like, why didn't it just stay in the part that was causing me no stress whatsoever? So that's kind of my journey over the next couple of years is to get comfortable playing the things that aren't difficult for me to play, and be okay with the fact that I'm not stressed out of my mind while playing drums. I think it'll provide a better listening experience for the people that are attending my clinics because they'll see like dude i'm not stressed out i'm having fun i can play this stuff yeah um yeah i got kind of caught in that clinic world of you have to be constantly about to fall off the high wire just to make it entertaining and i don't think that's the case no and for me if i did that i would i would really hate myself every time i played because yeah if it's not you know if i'm on the edge every single time then nothing's going to be right and i'll be like where do i right. start how do i get better so i think you were yeah, right there's, recording yourself is going to be mm. The only for me, the only way to be truly separate from in the moment that felt great mm -hmm. or in the moment that felt like crap 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, back. the session world is what it's. It comes down. I mean, that's where we first experience it. Is you track it, and then a guy presses a button and gets in your headphones and says, "Why don't you come in here and give that a listen?" Which means, "Hey, I want you to hear how bad you are because I don't think you can hear it." <laughs> and so you come back in, and then he kind of just keeps his head down, and then he looks you square in the eyes right when you rush, yeah. and he's hoping that you recognize it and you heard it, and then so you can do that for yourself, and it doesn't have to be. You know that you mic the whole kit. It's like, dude, just put your phone twenty feet away from the drums, press record, and listen to it on the way home. Yeah, I guess my last point would be I have not, I've not given myself any credit until I had my fundamentals kind of really dialed in. That was mm. that was it. Like, yeah. I don't care what I'm trying to play if it's not if my fundamentals aren't sharp and I don't have control of it, it's unacceptable. Mm. So yeah. that was the brutal honesty that I had to have with myself. You know, ten years ago was. You've been avoiding everything but the important stuff, and that's the fundamentals. Can you play quarter notes, eighth notes, sixteenths, and triplets in time? Like, can yeah. you can you really play them in time? And that was it. As soon as I got that under control, now I give myself a pass. If I hit a rim, if I hit a felt on a cymbal, I'm like, all yeah. right, at least that silent felt was in time. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> or I pushed it because I meant to push it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, the one thing that needs to be said on that topic is, for those of you that are beginners... I would never want you to ignore the fundamentals, but I do want it to be said that you almost don't know if you're doing it right or wrong until you're an experienced drummer. So I'm in the same boat as Mike. It was 20 years into my drumming that I had to then revisit quarter notes, eighth notes, eighth note triplets with a metronome at 50 BPM, and I could actually recognize, oh, I'm not playing this right. I mean, my students play you know, three feet away from me all the time looking at me square in the eyes like, killing it. I'm like, dog do you not hear how wrong that is and like and of course they don't they've been playing for three years how could they they're they're like man i'm happy that my limbs are even moving so yeah so i think we're always revisiting those fundamentals but you're right you got to get a good handle on that for anything else to sound decent so i think you 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 touched on a good point of trying to play with musicians who are way better than you as often as possible is probably oh yeah i mean because they're going to be the ones that either you know, even if they're polite at the end of the show or end of the rehearsal, like, yeah, it was cool, man. And that means not so good, <laughs> you know? Or if they're yeah, going to be absolutely. like really excited and let's do it again, you're like, all right, then we're on to something. Or you might, there might be a few guys, I've had a few that were kind of more mentor, kind of natural mentors, and they would tell mm-hmm. me, like, hey, man, just pull back on your fills a little bit or, you know, make sure you land on the beat two man, after that. That is such a, a beautiful place to be with other musicians is when they feel comfortable enough to be honest with you. Yeah. And I think for all of you guys that are getting into your first musical situation or getting into a new musical situation, put that out there right off the bat for the musicians around you. Let them know, like, hey, just so you know, I welcome feedback. I love constructive criticism. I can't hear myself as well as you guys can hear me, so please bring it on. And then it just allows everyone the freedom to tell you the things that are going to sting in the day, but then you're (laughs) going to practice and it's going to make you a lot better. All right, guys. Well, thanks for your questions. Keep sending them in to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. You can always send audio questions as well, and we will get to them as quick as possible. It is now time for our picks of the week. And I'm going to go first because I feel like it and I'm excited about this thing. <laughs> go for uh, it. So uh, drummer educator, I don't know if you know, have checked him out or if we've ever reviewed him on the podcast, but his name's Ron Spagnardi. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, I, yeah, heard I think of that he guy. started your, your magazine. <laughs> um, so a long time ago, you sent me a bunch of books that he had written. And this yeah. is before we were ever doing podcasts or whatever. And uh, probably... I don't know, about a month ago, I got into his book, Progressive Independence. 
and uh, a comprehensive guide to basic jazz drumming technique. Yep. And I decided to go through the whole entire book uh, in straight time. Oh, cool. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I've been working on it pretty hard lately. And it's hilarious because about three Instagram videos ago, I put up a thing that was just soloing. And it was, and I don't do a lot of, here's me drum soloing. Mm-hmm. But the thing that stood out was the comments. And there were a ton of comments that were like, dude, your bop playing has come so far. Uh. Man, those jazz chops. And I'm playing in straight time. I'm not swinging at all. And I was like, my bop playing? I don't even, uh. <laughs> like, I can't even define the difference between pre-bop, post-bop, bop, bop. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I realized, like, yeah, my vocabulary is if you were playing up-tempo swing to the point that it kind of stopped swinging, yeah. that's where my vocabulary has kind of been headed lately. And so I just want people to know you can buy a jazz book and you, you're more than welcome to do it as jazz time, but I just took ding, 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 and straightened it out. I'm not even playing it fast. I'm going ding, 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 mm-hmm. and then I'm just working on my comping between the other three limbs, and uh, and it's showing up in my playing in a very natural way. So uh, nice. my pick is Progressive Independence by Ron Spignardi. I'm assuming this is uh, published by Modern Drummer Publications. It sure is. That's still one of yeah. our best sellers because I think it's it's a book that if you don't have a private teacher, you can still kind of go through. It's it's very much a progressive uh you go step a to z i right. like it because i can just give it to someone like that we don't have to explain anything just work on these right. pages and then when you get to the end we can then talk about the music <laughs> yeah know? and one thing that i really like about it too especially if i am teaching somebody else this stuff or even for myself if i'm struggling whatever but i do like that the ride symbol part is written out in every single exercise so you can see where the comping yeah. matches the grid right and that's there are a definitely if you didn't grow up in jazz band or reading charts, when you get into some of the other jazz books, it can be a little hard to just see the snare and kick part, but you don't really, if your sight reading isn't on point, that can be really tough. Yeah, right? true, true. Um, if you didn't grow up with the book syncopation and stuff, you can really struggle with that. So when you get to see, okay, I don't even have to guess. I can see that my left hand is going to go with that ride symbol note or in between those two ride symbol notes. Mm. It's just a little bit easier to... I feel more comfortable letting my student walk out the door with one of those pages, knowing like you have no excuses, dude. The yeah, grid right. is there. Yeah, yeah, true. So yeah, it's a great book, Progressive Independence by Ron Spignardi. Well, mine is also a book, and I, I talked about it in the, when we talked about PASIC with Wayne Salzman. So his book is called Developing Melodic Language on the Drums, and you can get it at Wayne Salzman. So it's W A Y N E S A L Z M A N N dot com. Um, so I'll just give you the, the table of contents. So he has developing a melodic comping language, which includes uh, comping in four-bar phrases, eight-bar phrases, 12-bar phrases, using more spacious comping in four-bar phrases, comping variations on a theme. You can see where that goes. And then he's got uh, imp- melodic improvisational language in four bars, eight bars, 12 bars. Concepts for improvisation, a one-bar theme, uh, using rhythms or sounds or styles or melodies. So he's really kind of digging deep. And uh, he goes into, at the end, he actually has play-alongs, like a fair number of really good play-alongs. Nice. Um, so you can get all that, all the play-alongs. I, I believe you can just go to his website and check out all the video demos and stuff just yep. for free. Yeah. So you can kind of get a, a feel for what he's teaching. But this is one of those books that if I wish it would have existed when I was in jazz school, because there really wasn't many of these, like, how do I play the drum set in this style? Like, what is the 
missing element beyond the technique and the independence. And he's trying to he's he's filling that in, like how to how to play motivically and melodically on the drum set. Awesome, man. Awesome. So that's yeah, uh, waynesalzman.com. And yeah, there's tons of videos of him not just demoing this stuff, but there's also tons of demos of him actually playing live. And that's always an important thing for me, too, is I want to see, like, okay, yes, you're great in your drum studio, but let me hear you play music. Is this stuff going to relate to the real world? So. Yeah. yeah, Wayne's a great guy, awesome. a great educator. He's actually, I mean, he's a full-time player, but he, you know, he teaches at UT, so give him some support. Self-published. I mean, he did it all on his own. <laughs> awesome dude we went in this is an hour and 16 minutes of, of good stuff and uh now you guys know all about PASIC Ugh, so we gosh. expect to see you there next year <laughs> good stretch buddy all right everyone have a fantastic day thanks so much for supporting the podcast once again if you want to check out uh, mikeslessons.com that promo is running until january 1st just type podcast into the checkout and you'll get the first two weeks free so next week should we talk more about the camp or not are we, where are we at with yes, that? Yes, okay. yes. We are, we are good. We're just finalizing the date. All right. So everyone tune in next week. Well, no. Ah, next week is, is Thanksgiving. We're going to take our first official First week off in two years. Break. So we will not have a new episode next week. So We deserve it. We deserve it. By golly. So you don't get a chance to go back through the archive, listen to episode one, and, and laugh at how ridiculous we sounded. <laughs> that is, that's a rough <laughs> listen. If anybody wants to listen to episode one, kudos to you. I'll give you three free weeks at Mike's Lessons. Yeah. That's, that's putting in your time. And All right, to, buddy. You know, what was the episode where it was kick? What was it? Kick snat hair. Kick snat hair. Kick snat hair is the jam. I was, I was thinking, you know, somebody needs to send us their favorite podcast moment. Tell us the episode and tell us the timestamp so that we can replay some of our uh, our hits. Yeah, some of the gems. There's our mess-ups. It's been some, some slip of the tongues. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. I'll see you in two weeks. All right. Have a good one. Later, brother. <laughs>